Welcome to the Inside the Junior Rain podcast. I'm your host, Ben Frank, and each and every week we give you an inside look on what goes on behind the scenes of a USA Hockey model association, the Junior Rain. We believe in learning, we believe in age-appropriate, long-term athletic development, and we believe we have the responsibility to harness the power of youth sports to create better athletes, better people, closer families, and a better world. Thank you for joining us, and together we can make youth hockey a life-changing experience. Okay, we are live. I'm going to make sure again that we're not sideways and not in the dark. We still don't have our technical team on site. Um, It looks like we're good. I think we're going here. So welcome everyone to episode number 18. Can you believe it, Paul? 18 episodes already of our new show. And... um, Inside the Junior Rain, where we give you a behind-the-scenes look on what goes into building a youth hockey club that whose mission is to is that together we can make youth hockey a life-changing experience. Um, last week, on the oh, as always, as you're watching live in the replay, I hope the feed's coming through here. It looks like it's a little bit slow on my phone here, but uh, as always, whether you're watching live or via the replay, we really appreciate you giving us some comments in the in the comment section, liking and sharing the episode. And we do go back and check the comments. Even a lot of people are watching the show via the replay because they might be at work or something during the day here. So leave us comments live. I'll be checking them on the phone here. And if you leave us comments uh, when you're watching on the replay or likes there, we really appreciate that. And we'll get back to your questions as we go through it before next week's show. So um, this week, we're continuing an episode we started last week, which was what it means to become to be a USA Hockey Model Association. And you know we have that on our website and things like that. We talked to people about it, but we wanted to really clarify what the, what the ADM is, what the American Development Model from USA Hockey is, why it was established in the first place. We talked about it actually, a lot of people think of ADM being about 8U cross-ice hockey because that was a major change they made when they changed from full ice hockey to AU level to cross ice, but it's much bigger. It actually comes from the top. It comes from the National Team Development Program. It comes from the NHL, the U.S. Olympic Committee. We talked about how it's been spread now to other sports at the U.S. Olympic Committee. I just got back from speaking at U.S. Lacrosse, who's launching their ADM Model Club program, and we all these other sports that are that are beginning the ADM programming. We talked about uh, how it is an LTAD, Long Term Athlete Development Program, and then we talked about our story a little bit as far as what we were. And that those moments for us, that gut check moments for us, when we decided we had to change everything and adopt the principles of the ADM Model Association and how and what we did to do that, and then some of the results that we saw with the actual development environment experience for the players and families. And this week, we wanted to get into some of those specifics of what those changes are and what that means for the players and the families. Paul, I was a little bit longer-winded <laughs> than I planned on, but anything to add to that? Well, I think it just shows how important the ADM is and how uh, much impact it's made in our lives and in kids' lives. And we, you know, it gives every kid kid a chance for success and reach their genetic potential. I think the the thing to look at is there's no other programming. It's not like okay, we can do the ADM model or we can do the CDA model. Yeah. There's no other model. Yeah. The, the one other consistent model we see in youth sports is trying to win at all costs. Yeah. So there's no real competing model. So that's when, you know, if you take a step back, you know, some people don't understand the ADM, right? So it's initially, wow, this is no good. I don't know what it is or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you take a step back and look at the, the spectrum of youth sports, 
There's no other real programming. Yeah. So the ADM model was world leading elite training program. Yeah. So I think that's important to remember and it's important for all of us to remember that sometimes uh, when you're just focused on maybe just a single game, right? You're focused on the totality of someone's growth uh, over their whole hockey career. So it's important to remember that. And we've heard this stuff before a little bit too, is that, you know, so ADM, again, what it is, it's, it's age appropriate long-term athletic development. So if you're running a youth, a youth program, that's not, that you're not following the ADM model, so you're, so you're not doing what's <laughs> right for that age group. Like, so then what are, what are you doing? Either you have no maybe awareness about it or you're, would you purposely do something that's wrong for that? age group so it's, it's interesting we've heard things before but when it's misunderstood or misguided we've heard oh we're going to do adm uh once a week yeah so we're going to do age appropriate development for the kids once a week but the other times we're going to do we're going to do what what is it that we're well, going to do the, the other times a week that a program would say would be well that it comes down to it's, it's really for the adult right it's adult centered right so it's for the coach for the short term short short term of you know, winning the game or whatever, what kind of sport you're playing is, it's it's for the coach. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's wrong. Right. If you're athlete centered, it has to be. If you're in youth sports of any <laughs> of any magnitude, whether it's recreational or competitive elite sure. hockey, lacrosse, soccer, whatever it is, if you're not doing what's best for that particular age group athlete for the long term, what what are we doing here, right? We it's, it's got check time to see what what the purpose of this whole thing is. So that's what the ADM model is. It's actually yeah. coming out with something that's, hey, here's a guide. Yeah. If you, because right. USA Hockey believe that people involved in youth hockey want what's best for the kids, are involved because they love hockey, they love the kids, and they love to help them grow and, and, and give back and, and give them opportunities in the future. So here's a model that you can follow to make sure that you're doing that. So we saw that we embraced it. We want it. We want to do that. We want to do the best job we can of that. So we embraced it and we've, we've learned about it. Um, so. So I'll, I'll, so I do have the, we mentioned last time on admkids.com is the, the USA Hockey ADM uh, website. And on there, there is an application um, that goes through the specifics of what it means to be a model club and what you have to meet to even be considered to be approved as being a model club by USA Hockey. Um, you know, Paul, let me just check to make sure this is, it looks like it's going. Okay. My phone isn't showing very well, but it's Karina, it says Karina Paquette's watching. So hi, oh, great. Um, so it looks like we're going still. So, so there's there's the ideal, right? The ideal is that all all every club would be delivered ADM programming. Sure. Um, we would like to see that too. It's not just we only want to be the ones that we love. We want to see hockey grow. We want to see kids grow in the opportunities, and we want to see the program that do its right for kids all over. But there's then there's the real the real the reality of there's there's it's hard to make some of these changes. There's logistics and there's things depending on how your club or your rink or whatever it is set up it can be challenging to implement the things to be at a point to become a model association. There's a reason why there's only 21 across the United States. There's 2,500 clubs in the United States and there's 21 model associations because it's, 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 it's a make, big shift for a lot of people and some, some people aren't able to make those changes. Yeah, and I think going through the application today, some of the points is you'll, we'll dive into why it's so hard to make those changes, right? It seems like, well, on the surface, it seems easy. We'll just do what's right for the kids, right? Yeah. Okay, and this follow this this plan, but it's not necessarily that easy. And I think you'll see some of the changes and how some of the organizations are structured around youth sports in general uh, makes it challenging at times. Right. So, uh, so first, so the the process is you, you you get this application on the site, you go through it, and you see if if you want to and are able to make those changes within your club or association. At that point, we have you have communication with USA Hockey, the national office. 
you let them know that you want to become this mall association and you're going to be making these changes. At that point, their, their staff will be making site visits and things like that to actually see how you implement it, help you implement it, to see if you're able to deliver the programs the way they feel would be a model association deliver you know, world-leading development programs for kids. It's not about how many games your teams win. It's not about having AAA or the elite levels of hockey. It's about your development experience and your hockey, your skill to develop hockey players and to teach the game of hockey and and sports um, more than anything else. Yeah, and the size of the club doesn't matter, right? They came yeah, out several. Smaller they, clubs, yeah. big clubs, right? Right. They came out several times to monitor us, to watch us, to probably yeah. to to judge us, right, on yeah. how we're doing things a couple of years back and, and to assess where we're at. And then we went through that process and then finally became one. And the cool thing is now that we are a model club, they visit us still uh, three, four times a year and we still have time with our club and they evaluate our practices and give us feedback, tell us which things can be better. We ask a bunch of questions. These are challenging things we're having and we get, we get help in making our program even better because we can always improve. Yeah, right? that's right. So, so first of all, on the application, there's an overall section uh, that's requirement and recommendations for the overall organization. So I'll go through a few of those points at the start here. Number one is have a hockey director who is involved in the implementation of the ADM. So they don't want, they want to make sure there's someone ultimately responsible for the overall programming of the organization to make sure that that ADM is being implemented and that that person has a level of background and experience that allows them to, uh, in, the in the game of hockey, to be able to really understand how to develop hockey players at a, at a, at a high level. So that for us has been Paul. Yeah. Um, and so some organizations have a lot of professional coaches and things and others have volunteers. So they need someone in place that really has a knowledge and background to be able to, that, they, that, that USA Hockey can turn to and make sure that they trust that person in delivering the program across the board. Yeah, and just on that, Ben, I think that, and going into the why and why that's so difficult is I think the structure of a lot of organizations are different. We've talked a little bit of this before. Most of the structure out there is a lot of individual coaches, right? So, yeah. and they have, some of them have great experience, right? And they've been doing things for a long time and played college or maybe even that National Hockey League. Yeah. And they're they're coaching like they were, you know, how they were coaching. Well, they're coaching college. their team, right? Yeah. Don't, tell, don't tell them what to do with their, <laughs> with their team, right. right? Right, and they're doing what they did in college and they and they recruit a lot of high-end talent. So they have a lot of success, success maybe on the scoreboard, but they may necessarily not be doing everything age appropriate, right? So in our organization, we're all unified, right? We have a united staff structure, which allows us to, what we developed is our curriculum, right? And that's been able to implement the ADM philosophies in that curriculum. We're all under the same umbrella, and that's been the difference. Um, we've gone to the age group leaders, right? And that's been a difference, right? It's not all individual coaches. We have guys with experience that are oversee you know an age group or a couple age groups so they're all uh pushing in the right direction we're all working together so if you're a start as an 8u player you can go through and progress through the program all the way up to eight and on 18 and under and you'll have obviously different coaches throughout that experience but it'll be all under the same philosophy under the ADM philosophy and it yeah. seems seem, that seems simple but that's where it's, it's not easy a lot of maybe other clubs and the, the way we were before yeah. was that <laughs> 
this coach has this philosophy and that coach has that philosophy. This coach practices this way and that coach practices this way. We want our people to come in, in inside and talk together and share ideas and things, but ultimately we're gonna be doing what's age appropriate, long-term athlete development, what's best for kids. We're gonna to go to the USA Hockey trains and those things and we're gonna maybe adjust some drills or things like that to make them to make them work you know, better or faster or whatever that is, but where it's all ADM philosophy or you can't coach here. You know? I, and I think years ago, we even had trouble having a coach's meeting yeah. just to try to get everyone to, to come and meet with the president and talk about yeah. the overall plan for the organization. And I think that rarely happened, right? Now we have, you know, we have leadership weekly. meetings, we have weekly staff meetings, we have weekly age group meetings, we have all these different weekly meetings uh, with different staff along in the organization to try to improve and make it the best experience possible for the players and families. And have that united philosophy, like you said, it's whether, so you're, as you age up through the organization, you're gonna have, you know that if you believe in, in age-appropriate long-term development for your child, that you're gonna have that at every step of the way, at every age group that you get to, regardless of which particular coach and things you have. Yeah, and I think the, and we can move on here, but I think the real point of the organization is we're, we're thinking on how we can improve so we can improve the experience of the kids and the families. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a big difference. It's intentional, right? Right. There's there's thought behind this, and we're trying to progress and progress every year. And I think I, I can say, uh, look in the mirror, that we have improved every year. And is everything perfect? No. And that's why we'll continue to strive sure. to make it better. Sure. Right. So we touched on a couple of other points here. So the okay. first requirement was having the hockey director involved, the ADM, have age division coordinators okay. uh, who oversee practice planning and off ice training. So the thing there, right, is that. We want not only, just because someone played in the NHL or professional hockey college, junior hockey, whatever that is, doesn't mean right away they can come in and coach 10 and unders. They have to have an understanding if, if they're gonna, a few things we did. Number one, with the age coordinators, they're not just, the guy that played pro hockey isn't only coaching the A team and then he, does, he doesn't care about the B team, right? A 10 year old is a 10 year old and a 10 year old in the B team could end up becoming the top player better than any of the players in the A team. If, if we don't know, they're young, if we give them the right development experience, if everything's possible for all of them to have good experiences and to become the best players that they can be. Um, so that person, that age coordinator, needs to be versed in what's best to develop that age group, regardless of what level those players, and they need to have crossover and work with all the players from that age group so they can so that we're offering that consistent development experience and plan for that entire age group not just one group of players or the other and they have to have that knowledge in that yeah and that and that doesn't matter that doesn't mean that the you know the the it's important that the programming at the 10u level is the same programming whether you're on the b team or the bb team yeah. right? it doesn't matter that it doesn't mean that the bb team isn't going to pro progress as far right within the structure they may advance you know some of the bb players or the a players may advance faster at some of the drills and some of the curriculum than the B players, for example. But it doesn't mean that the A players are treated uh, way better than the B players, right? Or they're looked upon differently or get less coaching or get uh, lower level coaching. They get the same programming. They just may progress through at different rates, just like players would progress through different ways individually, right? So it's a really key component that every kid gets the same type of coaching and same type of programming and you know what the kids put into it is what they'll get out of it. Yeah, they all need that same opportunity, yeah. right? And the, the teams are separated based on competitive play on the games for the weekends, which yeah. is, as we know, 20% or less of the overall program at the, at the youth level when it comes down to the actual training environment. Uh, so af um, after that is have a commitment to conducting age-appropriate off-ice training. Again, potential logistical challenge for clubs. So the first two are the hockey director and the age group coordinators total different change of the model of their staff, of having uh, coaches 
involved in a whole age group. Number one, and, and sometimes what we would have at our club before we became this model, we might have a coach who's got, he's got his team at the yep. 10 and under A team, and then he has a 16 double A team, and another coach has an eight and under B team and a 14 double A team, and those are their teams. And so the differences between the two 10 and under coaches are completely different, but also that coach may have some, maybe he's, they do well with the older age group, but, but they're applying the same things to that younger age group. So it's just totally all over the place. So to, for a club to change that structure and say, and also what you've seen in that past with the other model is coaches who, they stay with that team forever, right? They start with an eight and under or 10 and under team, and they go up with them every single year, which you know you might think can be good in some ways, but uh, but to have someone that's actually an expert in those particular age groups and only working with those age groups and becoming great at coaching those age groups and then having a healthy way for those players to progress to the next expert in that age group is can be much better for the long term of development and experience, but also hard for a club to, to make those changes. Yeah, and I think a couple points there, Ben. It's, it's really healthy for people to have different coaches, right, as they move move on and progress. As they grow, it's important to have different experience with different coaches. And just the logistics side of the office stuff, there is always challenges with logistics of amount of coaches and the volunteer coaches and all these things that we deal with on a daily basis. But the, the difference is what we have is we have the United Staff structure Right? We have a great, great volunteer base of people that help us out. I want to say thank you to them right now if they're listening or if anyone's listening. They do a great job with us. But there's a structure built there, right? There is a curriculum, right? And that's the key. Like a lot of people, may, a lot of other organizations may have uh, some great volunteers, but they may not have a structure there to follow, right? There's no plan. There's no nothing, right? right. So it's important that obviously all our coaches and our, and our lead people are involved on a daily basis. And then we, you know, we have to count on some of the volunteers sometimes and then work alongside us to give the kids the best experience and use that curriculum to give them the best uh, athletic development. And so on that point about the, the commitment to off-ice training, what we saw in the past too was sometimes some teams would have it or some of the older elite teams might have it, but not all the teams would have it. And so it's just as important for the eight and under B team or the 10 and under B team or 10 and under BB team or 12 and under A team or double A team for all these teams to, uh, to have athletic performance yeah. training as part of their as physical liter physical literacy and things as part of their athletic development. That's our responsibility as a as a, as an athletic club to develop their full time their long term athletic potential and to have that part of the program is essential. Yeah, yeah, and at the eight and under level, you're talking twice a week, twenty to thirty minutes, right? And it goes up a little bit as we go in the age groups, right? But it's a, the other side of it, besides developing them as an athlete, is that relationship they get with each other, yeah. that experience. It's the whole experience of hanging out before practice, doing some fun stuff, especially the eight, nine, or 10, or 12, and the, the youth kids, right? They're doing a lot of body body weight stuff, and then as they get in the 14s, 16s, 18s, there's some weights, there's some other stuff there where they're lifting a little bit, right? But it's that whole team experience and that age group experience that's important that develops the kids as a group, and they start to really make all these different friendships, and at the end of the day, right, we know that that experience is really critical them to continue on is that they love coming to the rink because hey, oh Johnny's there today, I get to do off ice with my friend. Yeah. And it's a real funny time for them. Great, great. Okay, and then the next uh, the next point here, requirement, all practice and game schedules must be approved by the hockey director. So we have season plans for all of our teams. Yeah. So again, different, the other model, all the coaches kind of have their own plan for their individual teams. We have a season plan for all of our age groups up front with 
what that plan is for the year, how many, you know, approximately how many games, how many weeks of practices, how many tournaments or camps, things like that. And that's all approved from our hockey director at the top so that in the past, what I, we, like I said, in our own club before we became a model association, one team, it might team, is going to Minnesota for their tournament. And the other one's gonna start a month early and be practicing and whatever these types of things. And so these plan and, and some of those things are not gonna be age appropriate or follow ADM guidelines. So all of our team plans have to be approved by our hockey director to come to the And some of the logistics of that is right, right? So you see some coach wants to take his his ten year old team to Minnesota because he thinks it's a great tournament, which it may be a great experience, yeah. right? But then they also wanna jam in, you know, twenty other exhibition games. Now there's over competition. Really, then it comes down to logistics and financial commitment, right? So this that you join this squirt team and then you know, a month in the season, you find out you're going to Minnesota. Yeah. Well, that's probably another couple thousand dollars, right? Yeah. As a family missing to go there. School now, so you're missing school. Practice. You're missing actually hockey development, which we know that it's more development happens in practice. And the amount of finances you're putting into that yeah. experience is crazy at this age group, right? There's always time to travel and play, uh, and these all these other tournaments once they hit an older age when it makes sense. Uh, but at these younger ages, it's important that we have some sort of control and programming on it or they you know like we said there'd be people doing things that weren't best for the player it's what they kind of wanted to do right right uh and the next part is uh, maintain consistent communication with usa hockey staff we talked about that the visits that we have every year um about our you know program making making adjustments and things like that document and submit practice plans for the season for each team in the association on a monthly basis to your adm regional manager so again just for some clubs to get all the coaches to commit to writing down their practice plans and submitting them would be a big challenge because to be honest like and again cause I know we know because we've been there <laughs> we had co we had a lot of coaches and the, these guys played pro hockey and college hockey it's not like they weren't good good hockey people but they didn't have written down practice plans and things so how would we even submit yeah. that well, and you know and, and how different would they all be well right? it's, it's common practice then still because I, you know, I'm out there. I see different ranks and see different coaches. It's common practice for most youth hockey coaches to have no plan going into an on ice practice. Mm -hmm. I'm not, not have a practice plan. And usually, what happens is they revert back to what they've been doing all the time or doing what they were coached. And they, I've, I've seen it before where they just basically do the same practice almost the entire year. Mm -hmm. Or they're very reactionary and they plan the practice exactly what happened the result on Sunday, right? So once again, it gets back to the short term or there's just not knowledge of what's best for kids, right? So they go out there and they're basically winging it and there's not a plan, there's not even a practice plan in sight, they don't even have anything written down. Um, and that's the big difference is when we've put together this curriculum, we have the practices planned for the season and we're doing what's best for the kids at the right time. And you, you know, you come to our practice, you can see practice plans posted on the glass and that kind of thing. You can go on the internet and see all practice see all for the, the year and, yeah. and see what we're gonna do. And yeah, there's a, is there adjustments and slight changes throughout the year, of course, and there's, is there evolution through for for the curriculum over every year? And is there a gathering with our leaders and our and our age group leaders to decide on what's best? Of course there is, right? And that's how we get better every year. But it's it's amazing to me that there's coaches go on the ice and they just kind of wing it, right? And at, at our level and in the amount of time finances people are paying, we deserve to give them the best experience possible, the most activity, the most development, and that's why there's that planning ahead of time. Right, and so the last uh, last couple here is conduct a coaches meeting at least once per month for all head coaches. You talked about the meetings and things we have already. Uh, conduct an end of the year review and planning meeting for the upcoming season in conjunction with USA Hockey regional manager and submit a plan for 
future improvements. You touched on that. So I want to go into, there's some, no, that's, that's great. So these are, again, these are some of the things that you actually have to do to become a model club and then go into that evaluation process. Um, the, 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 there's a number of things that are um, required at specific age groups now. So we have about six or seven minutes. So a lot of them are, are similar across the board. So um, at the 8U level, 10U level, and 12U level, all of them talk of, about the u utilizing USA Hockey station-based practice plans and guidelines for uh, per the ADM age-specific stage documents. So all for, for 8U, 10U, and 12U levels. Um, they talk about, it talks about, all of them talk about having no single team practices and having all shared ice practices. So Paul, why don't you speak a little bit about why USA Hockey, again, funded by the NHL, US Olympic Committee, best for developing players, why they, they require to be a model club, station-based practices, and no single team practices at the 8U, 10U, 12U level. Yeah, a couple of thoughts. One, the activity is so important in a practice, right? So the amount of times you're you're doing something, right? Whether you're skating, puck handling, in a competitive battle, we know that from learning and understanding what learning is and how you learn is you can be told something and that's okay. You can actually see someone do it and that's a little bit better, yeah. but to do is the best way to learn. And we talk about motor skills learning and talk about that guided discovery. So, you know, if, I, if a kid's just standing in line and, you know, Coach Paul with all this hockey knowledge is just telling them all what to do for the next five or 10 minutes, it's really not helping them at all. Yeah. The retainment level, they're not retaining very much, right? So they're, they're not getting better. Cognitively, they're not really understanding what you're even saying. And that's why sitting at a, a board and drawing out the practice plans yeah. or the, the actual drill. The drill yeah. I've seen it at the highest levels, the pro levels, I've seen this before where, you know, anchor coaches on the board drawing out the drill and then they go and you know one of the players asks, hey, do you know what we're doing? Yeah. The guy's like, oh, I have no idea. I'll go to the back of the line, right? So they don't have, even at the highest level, they yeah. don't know. And I was listening to an interview by Ken Hitchcock who talked about how the activity and the tempo of practice is critical. Spending very little time at the board, really up-tempo, energy, energy, energy. And why that's critical at the youth level is we know they learn by doing, right? So if you go to, if you go to just a single team practice, say you have anywhere from 10 to 15 kids on a team, and you go to a full sheet. So now what that does is one, it's a waste of ice time because it tempts you as a hockey coach to do what you see during the game, the five on five yeah. game. And the, the risk of that is, is that you're not gonna get enough reps and you're not gonna get enough good reps. So you could go to a full ice practice with 12 squirts, right? Yeah. And this could skate the full length of the ice. One, that's not the right, right window they're open to for them to actually get better in skating, right? And two is they're not gonna be able to execute these full plays and stuff, and they'll not get enough execution time, right? They may complete 10 or 12 passes throughout the whole practice when you could put them in a quarter of the ice, mm -hmm. right? And put them in a highly competitive competitive uh, environment, and they may have to complete 10 or 12 passes in 10 minutes, yeah. right? Of, of a quarter, one sixth of the ice time, right? And think about uh, time and space. If you talk about hockey, the highest levels, they talk about time and space, right? If you're defending a good player, you want to take away his time and space. Well, open up a big sheet. Is that, does that open up the amount yeah. of time and space? Yes, way more time and space now. So people aren't under duress, right? They're not under pressure, right? So if you shrink the ice time, you can improve the amount of activity. You can improve the amount of competition, the amount of time you're under pressure. 
and now you can follow the windows of trainability that they're most open to. So there's, I know there's a lot there I dove into and kind of all over the place, but it really shows you why stationary practices are so much better for kids. And the, temp, the tempo, you said, massively goes up with the energy yeah. of the kids. If you're missing two or three kids from the practice, your whole practice isn't, isn't messed up. I can't imagine, like, peewee level, even, you know, yeah. if, you have, if you have one team, even if run a full ice peewee practice with 12 players to keep that tempo up and use the whole ice, almost impossible. And you're missing a couple of kids or something like that, or yeah. you're missing a goalie. There's so, only so much you can do. Um, but also, getting, so one of the other requirements here for all those age groups is the practice to game ratio. Two practices to one game minimum at the 8U level and three practices to one game minimum at the 10U and 12U level. And for most, most clubs and ours included before, we're set up to have two practices a week because they weren't sharing the ice well enough. So to actually even get to the right amount of touches on the ice that we need for the kids to get their, their maximum training environment from and to do it without raising costs too much. We have to be able to share, share practices and use the ice efficiently. We have to bring the age groups together so that we can develop all the players uh, under a united, under a united uh, uh, plan of, of with, our, with our age group manager. We raise the tempo, reduce the space, right? And so that's shared practices, station-based practices, allows you to do that versus that kind of old school approach. Every team gets their own practice and they work on their team yeah, things. And that doesn't mean you don't do game-related things. It's actually the complete opposite, right? And that's why we've broken our practices into three types of practice. There's a skill and sense practice, mm -hmm. right? There's a habits practice as they get to the older age groups. And then there's a sense and systems, which is a lot of smaller games. So it's all game-related, right? And even at the, the, the 12U level, there is time where they play five on five in practice yeah. and they're in, they're in one end of the ice, right? And then there's something else going on, on the other end. So it's still station based, but they're doing exactly five on five. And if you just did five on five for a whole practice, sure, you're not going to get enough reps, not enough puck touches, not enough individual skill development, right? So that's why it's not done always like that, right? But is there times in practice when you can break that down and do that? Of course there is. And that's why the curriculum is built in a certain way, right? So there's a, there's focus on individual skill improvement, which is, critical for people's success, right? There's focus on team and system concepts, which is critical as to, to function in a team environment. So there's those two elements that are really critical for kids' development. You do a ton within that, right? So I wanna conclude with, because we're at, we're at 2.30 okay. here, but with some of the other uh, major uh, similarities between 8U, 10U, and 12U age group as far as requirements for being a model club. Now keep in mind, this is for the lowest, uh, the entry levels in these age groups, the B teams, but even the highest levels, a squirt A team, a Wee AA or a Wee AAA team, which Wee AAA actually doesn't exist nationally. Some of the local places there's a league for it. But any level, highest level, minimum entry level of this age group, these are requirements to become a model club. And I want you to think about why those might those might be no matter how high the level. They all, I mentioned the practice to game ratios, mentioned the shared ice practices and the, and the um, and no single team practices. They also all have equal playing time as a requirement. So it could be double A hockey, equal playing time as a requirement. They all mention limited roster sizes. So 11 to 12 skaters at the squirt level. Okay, uh, 12, uh, 12 to 15 at the peewee level. Um, so again, eight to ten at the eight U level. Eight to ten at the eight U no level. Goalies. No full time goalies. <laughs> no player ups from eight U to ten U full ice. Yeah. Okay, no players up from Pee Wee to Bam into checking into checking. Okay, and so you can see why also some of these other logistical things of limited roster sizes that affects and single team uh, shared team practices that affects clubs budgets and ways they plan out how they 
set their dues and how they pay their coaches and such of things because maybe they're used to having a budget based on 15 skaters and a 10 and under team and a full sheet of practice. So how do they make those changes and maybe challenging for them to do those types of things um, and, and meet those requirements. Yeah, and the equal playing time, we talked a little bit last time, the equal playing time and the roster sizes can affect winning and losing sometimes. Mm -hmm. Right, and having the perspective of, of you may lose some games, but be able to play everyone or have a shorter roster um, and understanding that you're still doing, you're doing what's best for the kids in the long term, and if they stick through it, right, they they'll they'll improve that way. And if you're a, a coach who's at a works at a club, and if your team isn't doesn't win, you might get fired because of it at the twelve and under level, or you might lose your team to the other guy that's at the club recruiting them or whatever. Then it's maybe even harder structurally for you to follow these guidelines, equal playing time. It's also recommended at all those age groups to that all the players get to try other positions and play different different roles and things like that too. Which again focuses on the long term development of those kids uh, for their for their full potential in hockey development. Right, and then when you hit the 14, 16, 18 you right, that's what we've talked about before. Is right there. There's still all the ADM programming and practices. Right, but then some of the ice time can change. First right? of all, right. yeah, right. So it's that the point of ADM is that it's different at every age group. Yeah, it evolves age appropriate. Each way. It's age appropriate. <laughs> As you get into the learning to compete stages and yeah. things, and the Bantam and Midget tier hockey, there's some situational hockey. There's some there's some you know accountability for performance and things like things like that. Um, so and there's bigger roster sizes. There's less teams per, per ice surface. Yeah. There's different things you're doing in the off ice training. Like I said, maybe there's there's weights and weight training and some things like that versus games and stuff at the the young, or races and things like that at the young level. So um, we got into almost uh, not quite all of it today, but some really good stuff. Um, as always, thank you very much for watching uh, Inside the Junior Rain, uh, where together we can make youth hockey life changing experience. We really appreciate your comments, your likes, your shares on the show so we can spread our, our message and our mission to others. And uh, love to hear some of your comments or questions before next week's show. We're back on next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific time for episode number 19. Right. Thanks, okay, man. thanks guys.